You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hello, Augustine. Hey, Bob. How you doing? I'm doing well, you know, as well as can be in a crazy world. Yeah, well, that's all we strive for these days. Let me introduce us. I'm Robert Wright. This is The Wright Show, available on both streaming video and via audio podcast. You are Augustine Fuentes, uh, professor of anthropology at Princeton University, uh, yep. author of a bunch of books, including Biological Anthropology, Concepts and Connections, sounds like a textbook, but also Why We Believe Evolution and the Human Way of Being, The Creative Spark, How imagine, how Imagination Made Humans Exceptional, and a bunch of others. People can Google you. I encourage it. So we've had uh, a few, we've had two conversations, I guess, so far on my show. The the most recent one was uh, about sex differences. It was a little debatey. It was about the question, I guess you could say, of whether uh, the extent to which any observed psychological differences between uh, human males and females are in some sense genetically based, whatever. Uh, this is in a way an extension of that, but I think it's not going to be so debatey from my point of view. It's mainly informational. I, I'm uh, what it's about is, you might say, for starters, the difference between sex and gender. We're going to wind up getting into all these issues, uh, you know, trans issues, pronoun issues, terminology issues. Um, this is, and, and I see this partly as, uh, but not only, but partly as a, uh, a kind of tutorial for somebody like me who grew up in a somewhat different era. Uh, and, uh, and and you know we we may it may get a little debatey who knows but uh, but you know a lot more about this stuff than I do, uh, and uh, you know part partly you know because you you to, if you're going to teach at a university these days you're going to have to be conversant, but also you're you're an anthropologist you 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 have a natural interest in in the ways of human beings and uh, and and so um, you you've uh, you know, uh, you're much more conversant in this than I am. I, I'd like to start by setting the stage by by um, talking about my high school days. One thing you and I discovered when we uh, spoke a few months ago is that we both attended public high schools in in San Antonio. You did that more recently than I did, which is one reason uh, maybe you're more conversant in these things than I am. <laughs> but you know, when I was there, even even homosexuality was not a very real thing. You know what I mean? There was nobody like out of the closet in my high school. And in fact, you know, the, the, the main way homosexuality surfaced as an issue was the use of pejorative terms for homosexuals, not to refer to homosexuals even, because it wasn't that, that wasn't that real an issue but rather to denigrate males as being insufficiently masculine, right? right? That's how right. I heard, that's how the F word was used. It was just, it was just like, uh, you know, sissy. It was just like, uh, and, and then I went to college. My first year was actually at TCU in Texas. Uh, needless to say, nobody was, nobody was out there <laughs> as far as uh, gay people go. Then I transferred to Princeton, where you are now, and 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 for the first time, I saw it as an issue, and it was a new issue there because there was the Gay Alliance of Princeton, and uh, 
that was sufficiently new that when somebody hung a, 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 one of their banners out the window, some football players tore it down and, and so on. Um, but through all this, the issue of, uh, you know, transsexuals, transgender barely reared its head. I do remember Renee Richards, the tennis player who had had uh, sex reassignment surgery. And by the way, Throughout this, I encourage you to correct me if I say anything that could get me in trouble. Like if, if it's the wrong, <laughs> I'm assuming sex reassignment or gender re. Who, see, good example. I don't know what you call the surgery, but we know what I mean. Yeah. Is there is there a preferred term for the surgery? Yeah, I mean it really depends on what we're talking about, right? So we're talking about transitioning, right? And so the older term is transsexual. That is individuals, right, who uh, undergo surgical procedures to alter their body right? Uh, for in a particular way, which we can get into. But yeah, mm -hmm. um, I, I, you know, that would be a, a, a kind of surgical relationship with transgender experience. Um, but, but remember that those surgeries only emerged in the past century uh, quite recently. Right. Um, but, but that, you know, as you pointed out, it's those surgeries just emerged or like you were saying, and, and we'll get back to what you're saying in a moment, but like even the public engagement, the words have changed a lot. But the reality of people feeling different ways, being different ways, having different sexualities and orientations, that's as old as humanity. What's really interesting is how we talk about it, right? And how that changes. Yeah. And although you're not a cultural anthropologist, there is, of course, a whole literature on uh, cultures where these things are handled differently. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and sometimes, you know, there are people of, I, I guess you might say, ambiguous uh, gender or sexuality, whatever you would say, who have a kind of special status in the society, right. Um, right. including right. even a kind I mean, of shamanic uh, status. But uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of non-binary systems or multiple gender systems, right, with three or more genders, but we can get into all of yeah, that. Okay. It's just, it's, it's the way we've experienced that. Like, I would say the way we experienced this in San Antonio, Texas in high school is a very limited slice yeah. of the entire human experience, but it's an important one. It's an important yeah. one for talking about the United States, for sure. Absolutely. The uh, So anyway, this was, you know, that that's kind of setting uh, the stage. I mean, even as homosexuality, even as gay rights were becoming an issue, uh, there was there was really just almost no discussion of this. As I said, there was this tennis player who had, who had uh, competed very successfully in male sports uh, at the college level, mm -hmm. And then uh, after surgery, wanted to be in the U.S. Open in tennis, and I think was ultimately denied that. That never happened. But that was right around the time I, I graduated from high school. But still, you just – and in the ensuing decades, you have not heard much about the trans issue until very recently. And, and I guess I – I mean, this I haven't. Maybe yeah, I – Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's been sort of broad popular culture, but uh -huh. the, the trans issue, sort of the complexities of gender experiences, particularly in the context of, of what, what's today called transgender experiences, identities, that's been around a long time, but it hasn't hit this broad level of popular recognition mm -hmm. and engagement. Um, and, and right now it's blowing up, right? I mean, that's a big topic yeah. right now and, and good, right? I mean, it's something we need to talk about and we need to sort of think with and about. Yeah. And do you have any thoughts on the extent to which it's a bigger issue now is an issue of sheer visibility? In other words, it was always there, right. and there were about the same number of people who, who uh, I guess you could say, weren't entirely happy with uh, their 
See, I don't even know how to talk <laughs> with their gender so assignment at birth or something. Yeah. Let's yeah. just, yes. let's just no, agree no. that nothing I say here can get me canceled. These are the grounds <laughs> you are granting me. You as a uh, either woke or quasi woke or woke adjacent or something professor are granting me amnesty uh, uh, because you, you acknowledge my good intentions. Um, so uh, anyway, you know, there is this controversy. There are people, you, mainly maybe conservatives who say, to some extent, this is like a gender issue. There are, right. and, and this concerns them. Uh, there, right. there are students who, because it's a cool thing now in high school, are declaring themselves trans and even getting surgery, and this worries them and, and, and so on. But their theory is that, uh, although they don't, I don't think they're denying by and large that this has been a real thing under the surface, not so visible right. for a long time, they think that uh, in a certain sense, its magnitude is being uh, you know, magnified by it being a cool thing in some circles uh, right. to transition. Do you have a view yeah, on I mean that? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot we should talk about. And like the terms, I, I got some ideas here to just read out some definitions because I sure. think one of the, the hardest thing, but we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, I think you're right. I mean, I think it, there's much more discourse uh, and in parts of the world right now, the thinking with and about trans identities and the complexities of what that means and how that plays out, that's much more common now. And you get people, you know, like JK Rowling losing her mind over stuff. And there's all of this sort of, you know, yelling back and forth what, what, what I find fascinating is that almost none of this has to do with actually talking about how people are experiencing their lives, actually doing the sort of what the anthropology, like, well, what's going on? How are you feeling? Why is this important to you? Why is it not important to you? You know, it's all about right or wrong. They're all trying to create it into this like conservative versus liberal thing. And, and I would step back and say, if we actually look at, um, if we look at the you know, patterns of what people are actually doing, stuff hasn't changed a lot, except that there are more options and opportunities at legal and societal levels. And that's, I think, the most important part. And that's why we're seeing more of it. I, you know, this whole idea that it's cool to be X, you know, that, you know, that's a sort of a cop out, because that's, you know, not really what we're seeing. What we're seeing is more conversation and more people feeling okay to talk about it on all sides, right? Mm -hmm. People are feeling great to say horrible, mean things, and people are feeling great to say, hey, up yours, this is who I am. And so mm -hmm. we have this, I think, moment in time. The problem is ignorance, Bob. I mean, I think the problem is most people have no idea what they're talking about. Um, and you're so looking, they think you're looking this, at one of them, you're looking yeah, at one of them. No, but I mean, you do, we all know throughout our lives, right? You live long enough on this planet, you've met a bunch of people, you've met a bunch of people. And what's amazing is you've met people who are clearly don't fit into sort of what sort of a, a very restrictive gender binary. You've clearly met people who think radically differently than than sort of uh, most of the other people you hang out with. We know there's this variation. It's how we talk about it and how we think about it that I think mm. is, is the most important part. Uh, you know, one quick anecdote from my college years, I knew somebody who was a she, she was a student with me there and she manned a kind of crisis hotline. If you're having any kind of psychological issues, you call. And uh, a, a, a student called who was, uh, I think it's safe to say male, had a girlfriend and he was freaking out because he, he said, when my girlfriend's gone, when she's not, in, I just can't help. I have, I, I put on her clothes. I put on her clothes. And he considered this like- right a big mental health problem, I guess, in some sense, a crisis. 
that's just to point out that there was more going on under right, the surface right. uh, than we knew. And, and and there's also one other thing. I mean, for all I know, he remained this whatever he is calling himself now, uh, gender wise, right. may have remained sexually attracted to females for his whole life. So th- first of all, these are different issues. You can yes. change yes. your your gender, your conception of your gender. Uh, 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 without changing your sexual orientation, if that's the way to put absolutely. it. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. No, and and the, what's fascinating is people think there's an automatic link between sort of uh, gender identity and sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. There is not, actually. We know that this is really complex. Hey, how about I just run through okay. a couple, because there's two ways to talk about this. There's one, I think, which is really important, this broader cultural thing and like culture concepts and like just daily life, how we talk about this stuff. But then there's also as a, like, you know, scientist who's engaged with human biology and who thinks about how do we do the science here? Um, we actually have definitions that we try to use to sort of try to map this stuff. Um, and I'm going to use, uh, there's a really good uh, article recently by um, the biological anthropologist and human biologist, um, Zachary Du Bois and Heather Shattuck-Heidorn in the American Journal of Human Biology, where they're like, okay, look, this is really complicated. Here's some definitions, right? These are the ones that we used in human biology to sort of look at things. Can I run through a few sure, of these? Sure. They're good. All right. So I mean, the the basic ones that we're thinking about right now are like cisgender, right? Which is people whose gender identities align with the sex they're assigned at birth, right? Transgender is just a broad scale umbrella term that covers everyone whose gender identity doesn't align with the gender they were assigned at birth, right? Okay. So that's the general thing. Then you've got transgender women, right? People who identify as women or along the sort of feminine spectrum, but who are assigned male at birth. Trans men, then, transgender men are, are those people who identify with men or along this sort of line of masculinity, but were, uh, you know, assigned female at birth, right? So, so we've got this already. Now we've got this other sort of broader category of gender diverse, non-binary, or gender queer, right? That's sort of a category, um, which are just... Now, are, are, what is the relationship of those terms to gender fluid? So, that, and that, so I'll get to that in a second. So gender, gender diverse, <laughs> non-binary, and gender queer are just blanket terms that say, look, this is referring to identities that don't fit clearly in the binary male female, right? They, they, okay. they, they're somewhere around there outside or in between those categories. So if you're so then, transgender, you're not non-binary. No, uh, yeah. If you're transgender on average, you are mapping to one of the two in our society to right. one of those two gender binaries, right? So you're but not, it is not, you're not non-binary. Right, not the okay. one, not necessarily, right? But you are generally not mapping to the gender you were assigned at birth. That's what the sort of transgender means. Um, but you can be non-binary. But, but can yeah, I just and, and follow on, that up? If you're transgender, yeah. are you inherently in some sense, in some sense accepting the binary notion? I mean, not at least so far as it applies so, to you, yeah. you are saying I'm moving from this category to that category. So, so what's really interesting about this is some individuals who identify as transgender feel, you know, and sense this, this connection to the transgender context because they absolutely cannot and do not identify with the gender they were assigned, but they do identify with the other gender. Right. 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 So right. That, that would be the sort of almost a transgender in a binary context. However, there are a lot of people who don't fit quite there. So they, they definitely don't feel the sort of gender they were defi- uh, born with, right? right. Uh, assigned at birth. 
That is, they weren't, they're like, I was assigned male at birth, but I just, I don't fit there, but they might not fit fully into sort of the classic feminine or female. So either. they are non-binary, so that, but do right. we call some of them transgender still? Some or all of them? It depends on the individual, how the individual sees themselves and whether they want to see that. Okay. You would say in the general sense, it's transgender because it's moving sort of outside of the clear gender binary because it doesn't fit, right? right. You, the you category transcend, doesn't fit. So yeah. that individual is transcending the sort of classic binary. Okay. But there are many people who identify as full transgender who do sort of map to a binary, um, just not the gender they were assigned at birth, right? Okay. Um, then, and here's the, I think what's really important, which we can just throw out there and then move away from if we want to, but, you know, we have basically um, sex, the term sex, and when we're in a research context, you're talking about biological characteristics related to reproductive anatomy or physiology, Right. period. That's what sex is, biological characteristics related to reproductive anatomy or physiology. Gender then, right, is the culturally contextualized structural experiences that we identify as identity, right? Related to these things. Now, the problem is sex and gender, even though scientifically we separate them and talk about it, they're never actually separate. They're always in, in society. Humans are biocultural, right? It's always sex, gender, or gender, sex. We, we never can really separate those things. So, and this is the end of it, the definitions for now, there are two ways that biologically we can talk about this, right? Because rather than trying to separate out sex gender, which we really can, we can, and this is how, when we study human biology, people talk about male and female. And what they're really talking about, and I'm drawing from Daphne Joel, the neurobiologist on this, what they're really talking about is 3G sex. When I say male or female in a biological sense, in a research sense, I'm talking about this connection between genetics, gonads, and genitalia, right? Oh, this is so getting complicated. That, that's, okay. that's the truth though, right? So. A 3G female is an individual who has an XX has XX chromosomes, ovaries, and the vagina vulva complex. Whereas a 3G male is an individual that has sort of XY chromosomes, testes, and a penis. And okay. finally, the problem is, is those, those are two patterns with a lot of variation in them. But we can talk about those as 3G male and 3G female, even though there's a ton of variation there. Okay, but most people, uh, e you know, even among you know people like you who who uh, who speak this way and know this stuff, most people born would fall would would be considered three G one or the other as a as a as a practical matter. That that Absolutely. is the overwhelming tendency yes. biologically. Well, no. So we can well, describe well, two those of those are biological, born. and and, right. and yeah, one is not, and one yeah. is not. So we can we what I'm saying is that's why we use three G because we can describe the human bodies in that way. But three G does not predict okay. gender one hundred percent. It does not predict sexuality, and it does not predict this sort of gender sex outcome. What it does is, as all biology does, right? Biology is not destiny. Biology is a process with patterns, and so it gives us patterns to look at. Uh, and I think that's really important. So, so what what I should have said is uh, overwhelmingly people tend to be born uh, who by criterion, uh, criteria of genitalia and gonads are one or the other and can be identified as such. Uh, by looking at gender. Gender and is by, a cultural right. question in this view, a question of cultural labeling. Right. Uh, but But still my basic boilerplate idea in high school 
you know, most people, you look at them and it's one or the other, biologically, that is two of the Gs, uh, is not contested. Right. So that's there, right? But right. what does that mean, right? What mm -hmm. does it mean to have testes in a penis versus a vagina, vulva, and XX, right? Like, which, that's which the really by, interesting by thing. culture, even... Well, yeah. and, and varies biologically by individuals, right? So, you know, it's about, right. you know, that pattern varies morphologically, physiologically, and structurally, but it is a, a pattern, right? So the pattern is there. Then we take sex, gender, and that's where all the complicated stuff, because humans are just absurdly complicated. So we have the pattern, then we have cultures, then we have identities, then we have individuals, then we have growing up in different contexts, and all of that comes out in these ways. And that's why we have so many damn terms and it's so difficult to talk about. It is. Uh, so um, let's see. Uh, so that's the first thing people should know is the distinction between, well, sex and gender. Uh, they should but, but, but the fact that we can talk about like research wise, I can talk mm -hmm. about sex and I can talk about gender and do these kinds of measurements, but the two never exist separate from one another, right? Okay. I mean, we don't really, they're never like, you can't say, well, I'm just talking about sex in this case, because everything about that individual's, let's say, genitals or chromosomes or, gen, you know, uh, gonads, what have you, they're all being constantly lived and experienced through a kind of gender experience and expectations. So the stuff's always intertwined. But for, for like academic perspectives, we can tear some things apart artificially to talk about them. Okay. But I mean, the, the, the reality of my genitalia and gonads are not going to be changed except by what you might call more dramatic interventions. In other words, yeah. you know, that, like surgery. I mean, that's right. not a that's not but, a, a matter of right. conception. And, but, but what's really important here is that even that reality, let's say, of XX uh, uh, ovaries and the vulva vagina complex, that doesn't mean one thing. There's actually a whole range within that pattern of yep. physiological, biological processes. Okay. So little thing, it, are transgender and transsexual not synonymous then? You would think that so, follows from all this. But yeah, I, I would, it's actually really interesting. And obviously not, I am not a trans individual, so I don't have personal experience of this, but transsexual is actually an older term Right. And I think it emerged largely from the medical and psychological community, whereas transgender, right, has emerged from a broader community and largely from community of individuals who experience this sort of not fitting or shifting between different uh, genders. So transsexual is just the older term right. and now frequently refers to someone who's undergone uh, sexual reassignment okay. surgery, sort of the gen changes to the physical body to uh, facilitate a particular kind of morphological transformation. So that seems like a reasonable linguistic convention to make that distinction. Is that considered offensive to, to, to use transsexual to refer to cases where surgery was involved? You know, I, I don't know. If you look at uh, the literature from 20 years ago, it was very common. If you look at the literature today, you see that parsed out in some ways. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, at the end of the day, and here's what I will, you know, even conclude before we're even close to concluding. I mean, ask people how they, you know, want to be referred to. <laughs> That's one yeah. of the, like, if, if it all confused me, like, okay, you know, if you're talking with an individual um, who uh, is trans in this kind of context, say, hey, you know, I'm really sorry, but I, I just want to be very clear and, and careful and non-insulting. You know, do you prefer transsexual, transgender, what have you? I think right. that's the easiest way. Right. But I, I don't think either. Is, 
I'm often not talking to the people right, and yet I'm right. talking publicly. So I do these podcasts. Right. I'm talking to someone else who is cisgender. We're both right. these old people who have no clue. And then yeah. you can, can you can get into trouble. Yeah. Uh, I, I would I would default to transgender unless you know specifically that individual refers to themselves as a transsexual, okay. particularly in regard to um, surgical intervention. Okay. And I guess we've uh, did we uh, did we get clear on non non-binary versus gender fluid? Uh, are they kind of the same? So they can be the same, but lots of times non-binary means the individual's identity doesn't fit into the sort of the sort of gender male, gender female structure, like as if these were two separate things. Whereas gender fluid can mean that, but it can also mean that the individual's identity is moving around in the okay. masculine feminine space, right? So that they always would apply one of two labels to themselves at any given point in time, but that may change over time. Or that the individual feels outside of this and feels very, let's say, masculine in some ways, but very feminine in others and doesn't feel that there's a set, there's a location within this structure. So here's a funny thing. You, you talked about high school in Texas, and I, I remember this very clearly, this incredibly, you know, just weird if you think about it use of uh, sort of slang about gay men, right? Gay, or actually boys at this point because they were teenagers, um, using it in this very negative way to sort of critique masculinity, mm -hmm. right? When I always found this fascinating because many, 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 many of, of the homosexual males that I know, right? Are very masculine. Hyper-masculine. Right. And extremely masculine in every measure. Yeah. Of, and so there was this weird cultural thing. And it was, I found sometimes weird because it almost reflected some kind of insecurity about one's own masculinity to sort of think through oh, yeah. the challenge of, of being found attractive by another man or I, yeah. I it's just really complicated. But you know, honestly, shows... the funny thing is when I was in high school, I don't think I even thought it, I don't think I got to the point of realizing it referred to that almost. I mean, I guess I did at some level, but it was just so much used as a taunt directed at, at people who were considered heterosexual that it, it just, you know, yeah. I mean, another example is, I mean, in, in, I, I actually want to ask you what queer now means, but when right. I was uh, before high school in a different town in Texas, I remember playing when I was in elementary school, a game we called Smear the Queer. I had yeah. no yeah. idea that queer was a reference to anything. It was yeah. anything other than a label yeah. uh, for the, for the, for the, for the game. It was a football game, but, but uh, yeah. what is yeah, queer? I remember is, it. You remember? So this is, I mean, this is the power, right? of culture. This is the power of sort of commonly held beliefs to harm. And because, you know, kids use that, kids use a bunch of words, even today, that are really mean words and, and have this deep history of harm um, without without intentionally thinking mm -hmm. about that harm. So uh, the, the word queer is very powerful now in the academic context, right? So in the academy, um, it is used not just to sort of challenge the gender binary or not just to sort of say, look, there's a lot more complex things going around around sexuality, but it really is, you know, let's challenge sort of what we assume is normative. Let's say here's a theoretical or a practical or a research context that's going to push us off of center and make us look at things differently. So that's the way sort of broad queer theory works, but it is rooted, right? It comes from sort of scholars who do find themselves either outside the gender binary or are trans individuals or are gay individuals, right? Or outside of the sort of heterosexual 
uh, landscape, pushing for new ways to think of things. So the power of queer theory is that it forces you to sort of stand a little bit over here and look at stuff you've been looking at and say, oh, well, it looks different from here. That's, that's what's really cool about it. Now, in the popular use, I think queer generally means um, uh, non-heterosexual in a general sense. Um, and some people still use it negatively, but it, it's almost as if it's become more of a positive term in, in some ways recently. So is it is that not a label that someone who is not, you know, traditional in, in the old fashioned sense uh, in their self-conception or their behavior, um, uh, they would use to describe themselves and, and it would refer to some specific it, it sounds like not a very specific label no. being applied no. to people. But, uh, it it's not specific in the sense of like queer is one specific sexual or gender identity. Right. Queer is a broad category, almost like transgender, right? It, it encompasses a wide variety of things that are not cis heteronormative, mm -hmm. right? So if you're not cisgender heteronormative, there's that space then often today is referred to as a queer space, right? Because you're outside of sort of the standard. But, and, and you use the term traditional here, I think what's really fascinating is that we forget you can look at historically, you can look at um, in um, uh, literature, you can look at so many different things and you can see that queer perspectives actually are deep in the traditional history, let's say of the English language. Uh, and, and they're there. It's just, you have to go back and recognize them because they were always taught from one perspective, but you can go back and reread a lot of literature. Are there um, examples one, of that that come to mind? Oscar Wilde. Okay. Right? Well. You know, I mean, that's a, that's an over the top example. Um, you know, I would argue you could do some really good and in, interesting queer reading of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, right. Mm -hmm. um, as many have, I think you could, uh, uh, you know, uh, I would read a lot of the classic, the Brontes. Um, I, there's a lot of classic literature that you could say is infused in some ways with queer perspectives. It just, we didn't think of it that way in the, you know, when they were being read and we didn't teach about them. But now you can see a lot of people saying that the person, the author actually was, was not writing from totally in this tradition that we thought they were actually mm -hmm. bringing something new or something else to the table. And that, that's the challenge, right? And it's back to high school, right? I mean, you know, I remember knowing a bunch of folks who obviously didn't feel they fit in because they didn't feel that their identities matched what was expected, mm -hmm. right? And, and those were, very interesting individuals because they contributed insights or ideas or perspectives that weren't my own. Um, but being in Texas, um, I was there in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, you were a little earlier than me, that was not accepted, right? And mm -hmm. in fact, that was punished heavily. Yeah. Um, and and that's, that's, that's this, I guess, the change now is that more of those voices are being heard. And I know that freaks a lot of people out. Um, and you don't have to agree but I think the fact that more people are feeling better to try to express themselves in this way, that's important. And that's why this stuff about um, pronouns, terms, all yeah. of that matters, but it can't matter to the point of like being freaked out about yeah. just being freaked out about it. Right. We just talk about it. You know? Yeah. Well, I want to I want to get to some issues that I think freak some people out, which go beyond the terminology. At least they would say that. Uh, right. But but first, just a little more uh terminological stuff so men and women now right. the, i think the first tweet that uh, began to get jk rowling into trouble was uh she she found some something uh so, some text where 
there was the phrase people who menstruate. And she says, right. hmm, I'm sure there used to be a word for those people. Someone help me out. Wumbum, wimpum. You know, she's playing around the right. word. She's right. the word, the word uh, women. So there's, there's, there's that. What, what um, it, it, I guess you would say, look, let them tell you what they want to be called oh. in, in a typical transgender case. Yeah. You know, a classic transgender case, you might say. They change genders. They now want to be called women. They right. were called men before this. It's not that complicated. What would you right. What would you add to that? So, I mean, I no, I totally agree. My thing and my just, I guess I'm dumbfounded. Why would someone with a big prominent profile, like what, what do you care, right? Um, whether or not, so in most cases, most people say men and women, male and female for almost all contexts. Um, and if someone in some writing or some pamphlet or some book or some article says people who menstruate, you know what they're talking about. They're talking about people who menstruate. You may want to say, oh, do you mean women? Well, you can have that conversation. But why would that upset you? That was my, that's my concern. Like, why, why does that matter? Uh, I mean, it's interesting. I, I think often there is a deeper issue, and I want to get to those. Sometimes I think, and she's a writer, I know the feeling of being a little frustrated when changing linguistic conventions complicate the act of writing, right. like uh, to go right. way back. I remember right. when, like when I was in high school, the convention, you know, when you have a situation, when you say, when a person does this, and you're not specifying, you know, sex or gender or anything, and then later in the sentence, you want to use the pronoun for that person, of course, 100 years ago, you would always default to he. Right. And then with the rise of feminism, uh, you started needing to say he or she. And I remember being frustrated just because it takes more time. It, the sentence is is more ungainly and, and and in that sense i welcome the triumph of they i i, I would <laughs> I, you know like like i would like to i i i'm serious I, i'm wondering i can see i can imagine if we just shifted to they as the singular pronoun for right. humans i guess i can see some cases where it would complicate the language a little i mean I, i'm talking about in terms of ambiguity that ensues in a given sentence but I can see a case for that. Anyway, my point is, I think sometimes it's just like, you know, and this is truer and truer as you get older. It's like, right. or, or it's like to take a different issue uh, uh, where there's a, a kind of a conservative progressive split. It's like, oh, God, do I have to now when I get money from the ATM specify whether I want to, the, the instructions in English or Spanish? You know, it's like those kinds of little things that as right. you get older become bigger things. There's that. But I do think that with a lot of people, who are going on and on about why we can't call them women, there are probably other issues at play. Yeah, there, yeah, there are a couple yeah, of yeah. there are a couple of famous issues now. And I want to I want to talk about those. Uh, one is, of course, bathrooms. And right. Let, let's wait, Bob, before we get yeah, into go the ahead. bathrooms, go ahead. Hold that thought, because I just wanted to jump in and, and point out, I mean, uh, on the things that you said there. First of all, the the they, there, them, right? Uh -huh. That's ancient in English grammar and it's accurate gra grammatical uh -huh. use, right? And so that's funny that people are getting all bent out of shape. And I agree with you, there's something to it. So I speak uh, Indonesian, right? Bahasa Indonesia, um, Bia, the, the pronoun for individual, there is no male and female single singular pronouns, right? It is, so there are many languages where this is already used in use and, and English has a thing for that. So that's very interesting and in, in sort of how to use that. And also with the he, she thing, use he or she, just mix it up or however, mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, the bottom line is that sort of change and the idea of like, do I have to select English, Spanish or something else? Well, you know, 
I'm glad the Spanish is on there. So, I mean, I think it depends you're, on you're what demographics and histories look like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, but, and so, so I think, you know, there is this one thing of like, wow, change is hard. True, but change happens and it always has. Linguistic change always has happened. Right. And I think right now we're just in a very dynamic time of linguistic change. So I understand people, particularly people whose like lives are about language, sort of having to struggle with this, but that's no excuse to be hateful, mm -hmm. right? Or to be mean. Um, but yeah, let's talk about bathrooms. So, okay. I, I think there are two big issues you read about these days. One is sports and one right. is bathrooms. And, you know, in both cases, maybe it's peculiar about me, but I think most people tend to approach these issues in terms of fairness. And right. maybe it's because I'm such a moral, I'm not a complete moral relativist, but that's just kind of not the way <laughs> I turn. I, 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 I just look at the... I just look at it in a way that is, in a certain sense, maybe more pragmatic. And when I look at the bathroom issue, I I, I go like, you know, um, there's something I'd like to say to both sides of the argument, uh, both sides of the, the divide. But the the one the the thing I would say to kind of you know trans rights activists is, you know, just given the current reality and the reality, you know, uh, it's pretty predictable. That if you go into every town in America and say, um, we're going to have a new rule where any male in your high school can uh, change the way they describe themselves, and then they get to go into the bathroom where your daughters are, the bathroom your daughters are using, it's like, I can predict there's going to be a big political uproar there, right? I mean, I mean, it, 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 it's just like... Yeah, but, but, that's, but that's, that's a completely... False way to false, describe it. False way to describe it, right? Because someone who is transgender, who right. goes through all of this. So, so, you know, let's take ourselves back to San Antonio. Which guy, what male teenager, if he was not transgender, would be like, you know what? I want to be a female um, and, and go yeah, into Yeah, but the see, the conservatives bathroom. say that's what has changed and suddenly it's cool. And so- It's not, that's, but they're lying, I, I know, but, right? But, and they're I mean, wrong and the data don't say right, so, but this is so, their fear. But, uh, but, but what we have to do is, educate the global populace in the US, right? Everyone right. is like, look, if someone is trans, right? If someone is a trans female, mm -hmm. that means that individual in body and mind is female. So that individual is going to use the restroom as a female, right? That's the way it works. And you've got stalls. It's not like a guy's bathroom where we're all like lined up pissing into a, you know, trough or something, even though those don't have that much anymore. Um, the thing is, is that there's total privacy in American women's bathrooms. Yeah. What are you, you know, much of the world just has bathrooms. I mean, you just go into the, I mean, this whole weird association of bathrooms and sex and sexuality in the United States is really freaks me out. That's sort of gross, right? Bathrooms well, are for urinating and defecating. The U.S. isn't distinctive in having, in having traditionally arranged things that way. If I go to most other it, countries, it, it, 30 years ago, I go to pretty much any other country and there's two kinds of bathrooms, right? Well, actually, it depends. Many, many other countries have sort of either general areas for bathrooms or separate bathrooms, right? But you're right. I'm just saying that regardless, let's say we have two types of bathroom, bathrooms for, you know, people who identify as male, people who identify as female. So let's keep it that way. People who identify as female, whether assigned at birth or trans, use the bathroom of their identity. I mean, yeah. I, you know, the whole no. idea, this idea that there's a sexuality, that there's the yeah. threat that someone who's trans is also gay, 
right? So, I mean, because the thing, if this person I, is I, trans, yeah. they're not going to be sexually attracted. And besides, who who is really sexually attracted by going to the bathroom? I, that's that's a whole very minor subset of humanity. <laughs> let's let's don't bring that into the conversation. <laughs> the the uh, but what I mean is, and again, I'm not arguing this either way. I'm just saying it it is not surprising to it it is predictable to me that if you kind of fairly suddenly make this kind of change you're going to get a fair number of parents saying my daughter says she does not feel comfortable in a stall next to somebody with a penis and i'm sure there're a number of daughters who say that and mean it and uh and it's probably much lower today than you'd think you know that's the thing i think who's really upset is the 45-year-old or 60-year-old parent or grandparent who's like, that's not right, that shouldn't happen. So that's why education, that's why listening, that's why talking about this stuff like this, like what, what is the, the danger there, yeah. right? Does a penis make, well, and that's another assumption, does a penis make you an awful creature? Does a penis make in my you experience, attack? Never mind. Uh, no, I was going to say in my experience, yes, but but uh, it's kind so, of a joke. So we'll put it this way. So males, and this is back to our other conversation, right? The yeah. vast majority of rapists are males, but the vast, vast, vast majority of males never rape. Right. So, right. I'm just so saying, we given really, the way psychology works, you know how easy it is to scare yeah. people on all yeah, kinds yeah, yeah, yeah. of fronts. Yeah. And, you, yeah. and if you have kids, you know how obsessive you get about the most marginal yeah. change in what you perceive right. as a risk to them. It, it's, I'm just saying Agreed. it's it's not, so, it's not like, I just don't think we should be scratching our heads going, what is it with these unenlightened rubes? No, you know, no, no, it, no, no, like, no, no, we should be enlightening. We should be saying, look, here's, there should be a national conversation on this rather than a bunch of people screaming and going to right. court. It should be like, okay, well, what are we talking about? What's going on? I mean, it's the same, it's just, it's but, very frustrating. But even the word the enlightening, even the word enlightening. Yeah, not, I wouldn't say enlightening. No, I, was gonna, I, I was gonna recommend conversation. you not walk into the room yeah. saying, I'm here to enlighten you. Yeah, no, I would never do that, man. I would say, hey, check this out. We've got a bunch of confusion. Let's talk about it, right? Yeah. What do we know? What's going on? What's happening? And the thing is, is that if you talk to most people, even in the most, what we can use, I hate this term conservative because I don't know what it means anymore, but let's just say in, in, in a community, a group of individuals where they're really uptight about this and really worried about this kind of context, um, walk into that community, talk to individuals, you will find a myriad of diverse gender orientations, experiences, and realities. That's human, right? Now, some people feel better talking about it, some communities more open, some are more closed, but the thing is everyone really, if at the end of the day, knows someone, family, friend, has experienced something. Uh, and so there's a space to talk about this stuff. The problem is yelling about it and turning it into something else. Right now it's used politically, right? We would should you, not be making this at would, like a huge political argument. Would you acknowledge that there is yelling happening on both sides? Totally. Oh my okay. God, people are just losing their, their S-H-I-T. Uh, I, I mean, because you know, I when mean, somebody like J.K. Rowling, for whatever reason, does this one tweet, and she is besieged by people yelling, right. which is the experience but, you have, regardless but, of whether they are but why, total Twitter why, users. Why is she besieged? Because she has, what, a couple million? Tw I don't know how many, but I mean, she's... So the, the thing is, when someone chooses to use an enormous platform to do something that can cause harm or hate, because making that statement by someone who's very prominent has repercussions. And we know right now, in the very specific context, 
trans individuals, right? Trans women and trans men are much more susceptible to hate crimes or much more susceptible to suicide or much more susceptible to maltreatment in both medical and police contexts. I mean, so it's really, it's not, you shouldn't be picking on a small group of folks who are at high risk. Yeah, but I, I was going to say, uh, the main point I was going to say is when you are besieged by yelling, it, it tends to only entrench you in your position. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, totally. It can work totally. both ways. It's not a recommended yeah. strategy. The other thing I'd say is, you know, you she was not, I'm sure, conceiving of the tweet the way you just described it. You said you shouldn't use a big platform to do A, B, and C. She wasn't thinking of it as, as A, B, and C. She was, either she wasn't thinking of it, I'm guessing, uh, with some confidence, that she either wasn't thinking of it as something that would so that would help direct hatred towards certain people, or she thought there was genuinely a larger good that outweighed what damage it would do. I mean, you know, people. But, but don't... she's 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 very smart. I assume, right? She's a I very smart person. I, I liked her books, man. I've I've loved those series of books. Um, I thought they were great. Um, but you know, if she was totally ignorant of those two, like those two possible things, both. She knows, I can't believe she doesn't know what putting that out there opens up. Because even though you may not call for harm or violence or hate, why would you put that out there? It, what changes in her life, right? Is anyone forcing her to write her books in a certain way? Is anyone forcing her to change the bathrooms in her castle? Is anyone, you know what I mean? I mean, what, why would you use a giant platform of all the problems in the world right now? Why focus on that? I, I honestly think even for somebody as uh, cosmopolitan and sophisticated as her, you should not discount the fact that a person of, I don't know how old she is, but, you know, uh, if you don't grow up thinking this way, you may well not make the considerations you just described, like saying, well, wait, there are people who uh, who consider themselves women and uh, don't menstruate or people who consider themselves men and do and do and and, and uh, you know that just wouldn't you, you would have you know ten years ago you would have had to grab me by the shoulders and get my attention to get me to focus on that possibility you know but, it just wasn't but you know, Bob but yeah it wasn't and now it is right because now listen, it is but I you don't learn think we should be, you're interested I don't think we should be mystified when so, so older you yeah, know but, and, but and I don't happens, think we should start off by ascribing uh, either base motives or some kind of moral. Uh, irresponsibility. Uh, okay, to, well, let's take let's take that as a given, right? Let's not do that. But then, once the response happens, doubling down on it. Well, again, this is a reason to avoid yelling at people because yes, yes, it, it makes that more likely. The, yeah. um, uh, uh, but of course, you're never on on a, on a sensitive issue. You're never gonna not incite at least some yelling if you have a big right. platform. But, on, on, but on this platform. is why, and this is why, you know, this conversation and these kinds of conversations are important. Like the worst thing people can do is not talk about this, right? So right. it's much better to talk about this and not yell and actually be like, okay, what's going on? How can we think about this? Why is this an issue? How do we navigate it? That's the like conversation. What, what drives me nuts is you're right. People just like lose their minds over this. Uh -huh. And I'm like, of all the things to lose your mind over, like there's so many bigger Real, I mean, this is very important, but like, like immediate harms to the planet and to humanity, and like yeah. people are spending huge amounts of time on this. And what they should be doing is calmly and collectively saying, "Hey, you know, how do you feel? How do I feel? Yeah. How can we don't see these things the same way? How can we work through this?" Yeah.
I also think sometimes, I mean, as I said, sometimes there are issues like bathrooms or sports. I want to get quickly to right. sports, but, but I also think sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's tribal and the more tribal it gets, the worse it is. And I know, you know, tribal is, a, yeah, <laughs> yeah. is itself a no, term. The, Some the, people find offensive. I've written about why it's, uh, kind of become the de facto term and why, as yeah. I see it, they shouldn't, well, I'm not going to tell them what yeah, it should, should be. be used. We can have a whole, we, we should have, have a whole, whole session discussion. on that. That would be yeah, a good yeah, discussion yeah, yeah. about yeah, the psychology totally. of quote, tribalism but yeah, anyway yeah. once you've got red team blue team right it's like you hear that they don't want to call what you consider women women and that mainly sets off a lot of other grievances other, about things other, you do. Yeah, like well yeah. people also do this thing you know that may be more uh even by your lights might be more susceptible to criticism or something but sometimes it's just like a chain reaction of associations yeah, yeah but yeah but, um, i so I don't think there's any such thing. The term woke is a horrible term and it's overused, right? Yeah. Just like, but, but no, but so let's just, let's get to sports, but let me just throw again, just what I said earlier about the bathrooms. That is not about sexual identity or individual identity. The bathroom thing is a politic. It's a tool that's being used. It doesn't reflect any of the data or any of the reality of, of what's going on. And, and so I think that's important to put up there. I understand why it matters and why people yeah. take it seriously, but it, it's not true, right? That's not actually a risk. There's no data to support that at all. I also don't, uh, I mean, there's this anecdote that helped this guy win the uh, governor's election in Virginia. That turns out to be less oh, different. Yeah. That turns out to be different than the way it's described. You yeah. know, yeah. Uh, high school girl sexually assaulted. That turned out yeah. to be a very complicated case. That aside, um, I, I, I don't, think in the long term bathrooms is an intrinsically intractable issue yeah you can just have single bathrooms one room you know one right. toilet and so or stalls do man do, do stalls like if you're yeah. in a stall well, you or, close or, the door. Or, or, or even stalls that are uh more all-encompassing right the, where there's sure. not such a sense of exposure to the person next to you I mean, sometimes or, that can be or, problematic or maybe, in any event. I don't want yeah, to get yeah, into details. Yeah, yeah. But, or maybe the society can get less freaked out about going to the bathroom. We, that's true. The United States has some real issues we with can, we bodily can, functions. We can join <laughs> in in uh, encouraging people to not get freaked out about that. Now, I do think the sports yeah. issue is more complicated. Yeah. So yes. there's been there's an Ivy League issue right now. There's a uh, a swimmer at Penn in your, you know, in your yeah. neck of the woods, they compete against Princeton, who right. uh, was uh, was once uh, who is now now identifies as uh, well. Let me. Do you even say now identifies as female? Because we had talked about male. No, female is being, is transgender is trans female, right? Trans female. This individual is trans female, correct? Trans female. Is that? I don't know the case, but so it, okay. the individual well, was a sign male breaking at birth. all the records in women swimming. Right, right, And right, right. what we used to call <laughs> See, this is what I mean. Is yeah, people yeah, get yeah. frustrated. Do I have to say breaking all the records in people who menstruate swimming? No, no, because no, it's not people who menstruate swimming. It's actually women swimming by that's the <laughs> category. So you're wait, right, you're right. But here's. Oh, so Bob, it is women swimming. We can use. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, totally. Okay, so, but good. Here's, I, here's the good. thing, though. Here's the thing about sports. So sports is a fascinating area and we could do a whole show on this because I think it's really interesting really as it relates to physiology and testosterone and, and capacity. The right. problem with sports, even at the collegiate level, especially at the professional level, is we're talking about this teeny percentage of humanity, right? Who are so far and above beyond the physiological and physical functioning of most humans that, that it's a very small slice. So there's the general thing like 
can males and females, right, uh, based on the 3G definition, right, where there are differences in muscle density on average, height, right, uh, limb length, things like that. Um, uh, can we have these, can we lump those range of humans together to compete or should we separate them out, right? So for example, let's take uh, uh, American football. In American football, right, only a teeny percentage of any human could ever play that, right? A teeny right. percentage. So only a teeny percentage of males. It's not like all males could play professional or even college level football. It's a teeny, teeny, like, I don't know, a few percentage points of all those assigned male at birth could possibly right. play. Now, because of those limitations, those who have bodies, right, that were either assigned female at birth or even in that range, um, they can't play. Uh, American football, unless they're kickers or maybe quarterbacks, right? I mean, something where you're not out there on the front line or running back. But let's think about something like basketball, right? So uh, I would say that on average, because body size and upper body strength is so important in basketball, those we you know classify as males are going to be on average the best players. But there are women right in the WNBA that could play in the in the yeah. Uh, but the issue isn't whether NBA. they should be allowed to. I, I don't think that would be a big issue if a woman wanted to play in the NBA. That's not right. what we're, that's but, not, but we I don't mean, allow that right if, now. if a, um, but it's tied to the same sort of thing, well, right? But it's not so, the issue. The issue is whether someone who went through adolescence as a male and developed right. that musculature uh, should right. be allowed to play in the WNBA. And, and you said, we're talking about a small number of people. There's a sense right. in which we're not because in terms of political reaction, completely right. predictable political reaction, yeah, we yeah. are talking about every parent of a girl in high school who plays in girls' sports, okay? If they, right. if you well, tell them, you get the point, right? I mean, right, right, they, right. No, 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 I do, but, them, just but look first at the of all, but, every, but, every but let's swimmer, step back Step yeah. back to think of the percentages here. First of all, we're talking about a teeny number of individuals or trans individuals relative to overall athletic competition. I don't think that's right? the number to focus on again, but go no, ahead. No, 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 no. I mean, because we're actually, what is the real threat, right? What is the chance here? Now, now the question then has to be, and I think this is why this is complicated, right? In some cases, physiology really makes a huge difference. Let me give uh, an example that's not about a trans individual. Michael Phelps is in a top like 0.001% of physiological and morphological structuring for humanity, mm -hmm. regardless of what, what sex we're gonna decide right. to do, right? But even for males, right? So he has had an amazing, right? Cause I don't think he's swimming competitively anymore. I don't think so. Um, an amazing edge over everyone because of this distinctive physiological characteristics, right? Yeah. So now, in the context that you're talking about this swimmer at Penn, which I don't know the story, um, it may be that this individual has a physiological sort of edge now relative to many of these other swimmers. There's no but doubt is about that the it. case? Smashing records, broke a record by 36 seconds or something in a, in a you know, long distance swim, like a so, 1500 meters. I mean, but yeah, no, no question. It's not even close in this case. So this one case and the Phelps is one case, right? The thing is, patterned we need to you can't make this based on all one case so across the board is this what would happen if a small percentage of trans individuals were allowed to compete across right i mean really you'd have to ask is this but really what the do pattern? you say to the uh other swimmers in the ivy league who are like yeah. whoa i worked all my life on the premise that i was going to compete against people who went through adolescence as females 
That, that was not their, just gone because I can't win in this league now. Their premise was that I was going to compete with people who were in a particular range, right? Uh-huh. So, you know, someone like, you know, uh, uh, Michael Phelps or Michael Jordan, or I mean, there are people who are just up at the very, very top. Now, the question is, how, what is the real difference by allowing trans individuals? In this one case, you're saying they're breaking a lot of records. So that means that this individual is definitely doing incredibly well. Do we make all of our criteria about sports based on single individuals or do we look at the entire data? Like what are the patterns and processes? Because the same thing is related to like Semenya Castor, right? Who is a woman, female by every single stretch of that. There's not a single measure you could do that doesn't have Semenya Castor as a, as a woman in right. every measure, gender and sex and what have you. Uh, but the International uh, uh, Olympic Federation is not allowing her to run races with women because she doesn't fit their definition of a female. Because what, testosterone level or what? Yeah, yep. And she just, you think, has a naturally high one? She does, no, they've tested her for years. She just is an exceptional So she she was unambiguously identified as female at birth on biological At every level, genetics, genitals, gonads, Every single but see, thing. Every you understand way. one reason I think they 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 would argue they have to do these testosterone tests is is because of the uh, you know like if you're gonna let they would say if you're gonna let trans people compete in traditionally female sports or but, whatever uh, you, that that's you, not that's not the reason they gave the mm-hmm. reason they gave is that we define women this way yeah. but they don't use any competent definitions for men yeah. Right. Well, because I mean, they like test we, these levels, but it's to identify the use of steroids. Yeah, and so yeah, on. yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, because I agree with you, this is very complicated. I don't think there's a simple answer here, but I'm just saying that we have to be very careful about saying, look, well, men are going to be, you know, trans women are going to be better than yeah. cis women in this sport. I, I think we need to be very careful. I think in some cases you're, you're probably right. In other cases, you're not. So I don't think there's one general gloss. Well, I think we need to step back sport, and ask what's going on. What's a sport where you wouldn't have a big advantage? If, if you were naturally athletic, identified as male at birth, naturally right. athletic um, to begin with, uh, which was the case with uh, Renee Richards, by the way, excelled at right. college sports in the male category. Um, what's a sport where if you then uh, transitioned... I- after adolescence, uh, you wouldn't have a huge. No, no, no I agree. I, I'm saying if you're an elite athlete, yeah, I think that's there's a challenge here because if you're an, okay. an elite athlete in one context and you transition and then you bring that elite sort of skill and physiological potential to the other, I think you're right. I think there's some real so what, disadvantages. What about or, a but, sport? But, yeah. but is that the case all the time? I don't know. Well, right? but for certain we don't, whole sports, and this is where some. Uh, you know, you might, uh, some feminists, maybe this is, uh, I was going to ask you about the term turf if we have time, but, but anyway, this right. is where you may get feminist blowback is, is, you know, Billy Jean King pioneering, right. uh, uh, feminist built up, started the women's tennis association, right. Women should get more money for tennis. Well, there is a lot right. of money in women's tennis yeah. so much that it only takes one person to decide they're going to transition and make a ton of money if that's allowed. Right. And, and they can, and they're, and they're, yeah. Tons but, of tennis but, players but, who are good enough, who are males. But we've seen a, but we've seen a bunch of this, and people don't transition just because they want to make money. You well, do it, not become no, transgender because you're a jerk and you want to. You I, I understand that. That's not that. the way it works. So I think we have to be careful about this sort of 
politicized scare as opposed to a reality. So there's two differences, right? That the fear of someone intentionally transitioning to win money. That's, I understand. That's not real. I understand. Right? So that's what, what, we, well, what we need to understand is then what's what are the actual threats and context? So, for example, I think, you know, the uh, um, uh, Williams sisters could probably make money beating male tennis players in the male tennis realm, right? I don't, um, I don't think so. so. Oh, you think they could I beat? Disagree. You think they could beat any of the top ten males? Top I twenty? Top fifty? I oh, top fifty? Absolutely, yeah. without a doubt. Oh, many of the top fifty. Compare serve velocities. There are things they have mm. objective data. Not everyone. Not every. Well, see, here's now we're getting into the weeds, and that's what I'm saying. Serve velocities, you know, backhand sort of movement ability to move across the right. court. So with swimming, right, we got to think about: Are we talking about breaststroke? Right? Are we talking about freestyle? Are we talking? So there's actually different muscle groups and different physiologies that come to play. That's why this is complicated. I don't think there's one clear okay. answer. I, I think we got to take sport by sport and context by context. Um, I do want to make I, one, one, I'm getting close to time here. Okay, so. I do want to make one quick point. I'm not saying that by and large, trans people transition out of financial motivation. I'm saying I don't that think they ever do. Well, I'm just do you saying know what that, it's like to do that. I mean, do you to, to open yourself up to okay, hatred, but, okay, to but, violence? But but suppose that isn't the motivation, but you still have a single tennis player who renders from the point of view of all people playing women's tennis right now, renders their aspirations futile because they can never be number one now. And that could happen. That could happen. So, okay. That's a hypothetical. We don't know that that's going to happen. Well, it's not. Renee Richards tried to do it. She was denied denied access, but she tried tried to do it. So, So why not in tennis, think about what this means and sort of develop criteria and structures, right? But I'm just saying you, there's not one blanket answer here. I think it's very complicated. I think it depends on the sport, it, it is depends on the context, and depends on the individuals. The last I mean, thing, I think we, we agree on that, right? Well, I mean, this is not, there's not one law you're going to make. And right. I think it's, it's talking about trans individuals playing in different sports. We can't extract that from the way men's and women's sports have been structured and the sort of discrimination against women overall in the sporting world right? Because of access and structure. So I think Title IX has changed a lot, but, but not everything. I think there's still a lot to deal with in the world of sports um, that this is part of. We agree on one other thing I want to mention before you have to go, which is that, you know, you said, uh, I said early on, like, I tend not to go in and say, like, what's fair. I mean, in a lot of contexts, I do. But with these issues, I just sometimes say, what is a predictable political blowback? And and your reference to Michael Phelps, I think I think means we're on the same la- wavelength when we say, look, sports itself is unfair. I mean, yeah, I yeah, mean, people yeah. are born with huge <laughs> genetic <laughs> advantages or with some obsessive tennis right. father or something, right. Right. and and you just find yourself this great athlete. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. but um, but that to me, that's not the issue. It's just like how predictable is enduring blowback in a way. And part of my motivation is like as a progressive. Sometimes I see an issue and I just go, oh, man, if the Republicans can paint this yeah, yeah, as the yeah, progressive no, stance yeah. that all yeah. of their girls' athletic effort, their daughters' athletic right. efforts are futile, right. if that's the way they're going to frame it and it's going to work, can we rethink this maybe? You know, yeah, like yeah. that's no, 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 no. where I, I'm coming I, from. But, but that's the politics. And you're right, because you're thinking about this big picture. I'm thinking, you know, in reality at the, you know, teenage level, non-professional, non-elite athletes, none of this really matters. It really Some, doesn't matter. Sometimes trying to explain reality to parents is difficult. Uh, 
but uh, I, so I think this is actually worth a, like the sports. I'm actually writing a little bit on 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 this sort of uh, gender sports bodies thing. I think it's a really important area, and a lot of people have written on it. But I think you're you're right. The problem is, no matter what the reality is, the politics of it actually is driving this discussion. Yeah. Not our discussion, but I'm saying that the big no. picture thing here. We yeah. are about and people are going to use it. Yeah. People are going to use it. And, and that's it's unfortunate, man, because there's so much interesting. You know, there's a place to actually really think about sports. Sports are great, but, but we always yeah. end up talking about elite sports when we're talking about all sports. I think we should start with all sports and then yeah. get to elite sports because the two are not the same thing. I'll just close by saying I remember uh, when your high school beat my high school at basketball. <laughs> I, I bear no responsibility because I think I spent the whole game on the bench, but I, I'm still bitter. I have to say I'm still bitter. <laughs> that, that may, uh, maybe that's uh, one reason things got so intense during this conversation. Well, this has been a great conversation. Um, As always. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, at Anthro Fuentes. Anthro Fuentes. Uh, and I'm at Robert Ryder, and uh, maybe we'll find something else to talk about in the future. In any event, these have been great Absolutely. conversations. This was another one. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Bob. Take care.